Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, everyone. Starting next week, we will be releasing new episodes every Wednesday instead of Monday, so we wanted to fill the time with another April Byers special episode. For those of you just discovering our podcast, April has been a matchmaker and relationship coach for more than 20 years. She's also the founder of Level Connections, a unique dating service bridging the gap between dating apps and personal matchmaking. This episode is all about moving on from heartbreak and figuring out when to start dating again. Our first call is with Stephanie, who broke up with her partner of 15 years. While she's confident that ending things was the right decision, Stephanie finds herself missing the relationship and feeling unsure of where to go from here. Next, we talk with Jen, who had just gotten engaged to the love of her life when he confessed that he had cheated. After spending 10 long months trying to repair the relationship, it was over. Now Jen finds herself dating a man who offers everything she ever wanted, but she still can't stop herself from comparing him to her ex. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you have a question and would like to talk with us, we would love to hear from you. You'll find a link in our show notes. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. I'm so happy to see you. How have you been? Good. Yeah. It's been a busy, wonderful summer. We just got back from Puerto Vallarta. <gasps> we went with four other couples, stayed in a house on the beach. Oh, fun. It was just lovely. It was amazing to like watch the interaction of couples who are all really high performing in their relationships and just kind of watching how people connect on vacation, what they do together, what they do to download and kind of take a mental break for themselves. So there wasn't any drama? Zero. But like, this is a group of people I've traveled with before. And we went to Mexico all as a group prior. This is kind of what I do in dating and relationship and matchmaking, right? We're trying to align people with common values. And I think there isn't drama when there's common value. And just the synergy and the connection, that's hard, right? For 10 people to get along yeah. for an entire week under one roof was kind of amazing. That's impressive. Yeah, but you know, I was taking notes, right? So I'm upstairs and I watch like one of the couples come up and make coffee in the morning quietly and they grab two cups of coffee and they get into the elevator at the house and they, I go, where are you going? Oh, I'm bringing coffee to my husband or my wife and then we're going to read for a little while. It's like, that's so sweet. Like everybody was... You know, when I say high-performing in their relationships, that was the remarkable part. And just so many laughs and just really beautiful time. I love that. So, Stephanie, tell us what is going on. Yeah, I appreciate you guys taking the time. So, basically, it's an ongoing 
new transition in my life where it's almost a year now that I split from my boyfriend of 15 years. And I'm mid-40s and I'm kind of still grappling with this new life that I have now. I kind of feel like I'm still in a transition period. You broke up a year ago. Yeah. During quarantine, like just post. Yes. And I don't consider us one of the statistics only because we had been having issues for a number of years. We tried therapy when I wanted to leave a couple of years ago. And that seemed to work for a while. And then we just went right back to our old patterns and things. So... You know, everybody kept asking me, what made you finally pull the cord? And it wasn't a moment. It was just that voice was getting louder (laughs) and I couldn't ignore it anymore. So nothing happened. No one was at fault, which kind of made it harder. I kind of wished I had fallen in love with someone else or he had fallen because that would have been a definite... It would have been clearer for him. Yes. I think even the first couple of months, there was probably a part of him that thought I was going to come back once I moved out because we owned a house together. I lived with him for another month until I found a place. And that was hard. And in my mind, I thought pulling the plug and moving out is the hardest part. Like Once that's over... I'm going to be able to breathe. And that was a little bit true, but now I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment. We co-parent our dogs. (laughs) We have two dogs that we share custody, and that's been going well. I work from home ever since COVID. I don't have a lot of close friends, and I have no one that's gone through a big breakup like this other than my mom, who did it with my dad 40-some years ago. (laughs) I don't have anybody who can relate, really. And I kind of do realize, I think I do want someone. I don't need them. I do want to find someone, but I have no clue how to go about any of that. When are you missing companionship and is it his companionship? It's not his. I know we're not meant to be a couple. I miss him in the aspect of the things that we used to share. You know, the TV shows we would watch together. We used to have an annual Halloween party that we would go all out and all our friends would be excited about. Just all of that comfort kind of food (laughs) that you Mm -hmm. attain over that long period of time. To your question, I think it's weekends for sure. And sometimes in the evenings when I'm done with work, I log off and then I'm like, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) Mm -hmm. April, what are your early thoughts here? Well, my early thoughts are, I hear this so much. So just know that it's what everybody feels. So if we think about it, anything that we're doing for a long time, and you were in that relationship for 15 years, right? Yeah. So you're used to the rhythm. You called it comfort food. And thank God you realize it's not that it's either or. You don't want to go back. But right now you're in that middle stage and you're missing, and I'm not surprised what you said, the TV shows we watch together, the annual Halloween party. It's not surprising to me that you say evenings and weekends are your kind of darkest hours. That's when you're not busy, right? And you're in bed and you're missing the intimacy. So you are missing the comfort food of your relationship. You're missing the rhythm of relationship. And what's interesting is people who go through divorces and also losses of partners feel this exact same thing. And then they come to me and they're like, you know, I had all this time, April, with this person and I'm grieving, grieving the loss of this person. I can't have them back or I don't want them back, but I want that thing. I want to wake up in the morning and I want to be able to read the New York Times together and have coffee and I want this and I want that. I'm like, that sounds great. 
But what happens is you're actually doing yourself a great disservice by trying to stand in the middle. You've got one foot in the past, one foot in the future, and you're looking for the comfort again quickly. And so nothing comes close to that because that comfort and that ease only comes with time. So you got to fall back in love with that new stuff, the butterflies, the unease of dating, the awkwardness of dating, the lack of somebody there. And you got to really just dive into this because I'm hearing that you really don't want to live with somebody again, but you miss the things that come with living with someone. You're literally in mid-process right now. Yeah. I guess in my mind, I'm thinking, God, it's almost been a year already. And so sometimes it feels like so long, but then other times it feels like, well, it's only been, you know, not even quite a year. So I kind of comfort myself with that a little bit sometimes when I am feeling like I should be past a certain point. I try and tell myself, okay, there is no line that I need to be at at a certain point. I'm just going to feel the feelings and see what happens. I feel kind of rudderless. Like I'm just kind of in a holding pattern almost. I'm so impressed that you can articulate this. <laughs> I've been in therapy since I was a teenager. So. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I was feeling then. <laughs> yeah, it is true. If we feel rudderless, guys, it's because somebody else had the motor. Mm. The good news is that as you move forward and when your next relationship arrives is you're going to want a co-pilot. Somebody who, you know, you both have your oars in the water at the same time. And that's the marking of a relationship that's going to be more in alignment with where you are at your age now, as opposed to the partner you chose 15 years ago, when a lot of us kind of just swept ourselves into somebody and we stood in the shadow of that person. And when that person leaves, it's like, oh my gosh, my left arm has been cut off. I'm rudderless. I love, as Anna said, how you articulate this because that's exactly how you feel right now. And it's because you were not living your life independently at all when you guys were together. Mm -hmm. You didn't build your network of friends. You didn't build your activities. You were at home all the time. He might have been making more of the decisions. And so now going forward, you're going to look for a completely different person. And the only way to do that is to start living your life the way you want to live it when you're once with someone again. That's how you attract like-minded people. You don't wait for somebody to come over and give you the same as what you had before. Emotionally, you're in a completely different space 15 years down the line. That really rings true with me. Oh, I'm like going to start tearing up a little bit because that is how I've been feeling. Like I never really let him see who I really was because I had a lot of depression and anxiety before we met that was still kind of lingering that I was ashamed of. And I never really let him see that until it was too late. I was getting stronger throughout the years. And as I aged, I got a little more comfortable in communicating that to him. And it was kind of a disservice that I did because I didn't allow him to really see me from the beginning. And now I'm finally in a place where, at least in my head and emotionally, I do feel like I know who I am. What you were just saying makes me feel like I'm on that right track. Yeah. And Anna, do you hear this a lot, you know, as you're talking to people that so many of us are running from process? Yes. And I think you're incredibly strong, Stephanie, to have left. It sounds like it was not a particularly dramatic relationship. So you could have been in it for the rest of your life. A lot of people do that. Yeah. There's probably a reason that you guys didn't get married. I'm really excited for this chapter in your life. I know it's hard for you to feel that right now. 
when you break up with somebody and then suddenly you're having to do things all on your own, a lot of people are finding like, gosh, I've never had to buy a car on my own. I always had to negotiate with somebody for everything. I couldn't do these certain things. But it's kind of exciting to be stripped of that and to have this time where you're just accountable to you. And I think there's an opportunity is what Anna is saying right now. And I've been down that road too, personally. And I can tell you that we have to stop the talk of, I don't have the close friends who can relate. I'm having trouble navigating. I'm isolated. Those are distractions. And you're feeling your edges and you're uncomfortable. And you're looking at your friends going, wait a minute, the friends don't fit as much anymore. And okay, I'm isolated. There might be a reason for that. You know, there's a saying, everywhere you go, there you are. And I'm a bigger fan of dive into the discomfort, dive into the process, feel what it feels like when you're like, nobody knows where I am. And instead of thinking, that's sad, look at it as, where is the opportunity here? Road trip. (laughs) I mean, I remember when I broke up with my long-term boyfriend and I was in my house and I went to the paint store that day and I got this brick red color paint. I had wainscoting in the dining room and I started painting and I put on like rock and roll and I was painting my walls and it was two in the morning. And I remember thinking, this is so awesome that I don't have to ask anybody if that's okay. (laughs) This is so cool that if I want to get up in the middle of the night and do yoga, I can, or, you know, watch TV or read a book. And when you're in a relationship with somebody for a long time, and I don't know how old you were when you got into it, we kind of stop growing as individuals when we get together with somebody too young. And if you were hiding and holding back your true authentic nature and your thoughts and your feelings and your fears and your depression and whatever it was that you were holding back, since he's not here, all that stuff is coming out, right? And what's happening is kind of like, you know, when people who drink, when they stop drinking, all of a sudden they kind of go, whoa, what is this? It's because there's finally feelings that are right there on the surface that they have to deal with. And so when we're in a relationship, sometimes that relationship can be that alcohol. It can be that thing that's just sort of holds all those things back for a little while and we're holding our breath. So it makes perfect sense to me that you're just using the words like navigating or that you're feeling rudderless. I look at those as, can we turn those words into something more positive and call this, I'm on a journey of learning how I feel again and learning if I like a red wall or a blue wall Mm -hmm. and I'm learning that I can speak about my feelings and my anxieties or depression, or I have opinions that I want to share with people. And I don't care what people think about that. Like, this is your opportunity. And I love knowing that wherever we are is the perfect place and that you are in this, you said a one-bedroom apartment as if it's a bad thing. So even though you're in this one-bedroom apartment, Think about it as, hey, I'm not in a big house that is echoing all of this. I'm in an intimate space that is just for me, that is a bed that's fit just for me, right? And when I get to co-parent the dogs, great. When the dogs are gone, then they're gone. And when they're here, they're here. But it's my intimate little tiny castle. I don't have to care for a big house right now. And you know what? I don't have friends I can relate to. That means I need to be even more independent. I'm not going to rely on other people to give me my voice anymore. I don't need my friends to echo back. I don't need a partner to give me decisions or tell me how to think or feel. You need time alone right now. Yeah. And a lot of what you're saying, I totally agree with you. And I totally agree with the, when I was decorating my apartment, it was awesome to not have to (laughs) 
<laughs> ask like, does this look okay? Or are you okay with this? Yeah. That was a huge <laughs> like win. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I can do it however I want. And it's interesting, April, as you were talking, I'm kind of thinking of what I'm relating to and what I'm not. But I think before I met him, because we met when I was 29. And before I met him, I didn't speak up very much. I was very internalized, you know, just kind of go with the flow. And now I'm at the point where I can't stop talking. And I think you're right that it's almost like I'm kind of starting off where I left. Part of me was afraid I was going to go back to how I was before I met him. Now that I'm alone again, I was afraid, oh God, I'm going to shut everybody out. That's partly why I've been making sure I hold on to certain things because I don't want to become that person again. That's why I'm trying to kind of live in both worlds a little bit and then make sure that I am stepping out and not just kind of hermiting in my apartment and with my dogs and just, you know, staying in this little bubble because I don't think long term I can sustain something like that. It helps me to know, like for both of you to be saying that you felt the same. I guess I was just looking for, yeah, some kind of validation. (laughs) I don't know. Well, yeah, completely. And these things take time. I mean, 15 years is a long time. And then on top of that, your relationship dissolved during a very particular weird time. Yeah. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You know, something you said a little bit ago, which I think is interesting, and it's the reason why the dating industry, people on apps, people in MySpace, why it's so challenging and why I want to pull my hair out every single week is because people come to me saying they want me to help them find a relationship, but when I interview them, they're lonely. And loneliness can't be the driver to finding a relationship. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. There's a gazillion people on dating apps right now that are hurting other people because they're ghosting, they're flaking, they're not responsive, they're not react. And it's only because somebody told them, you know what, you broke up, get on a dating app, get out there again, get your feet wet, get in the water. It's the worst advice anybody can give because anytime you're dating, you're inflicting your pain on someone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, like, yeah. everybody needs to clean up their own side of the yard and not use loneliness as the impetus. I could give you exactly what to do right now to get on the right dating apps, get your profile with these matchmakers, and here's how you're going to connect with people, and here's how you're going to get a few dates next month. But something in me as I'm listening to you is telling me that's not the best advice for you right now. No. Like, call me in a few months and I'll tell you how to do that. Well, and it's funny because I did do that. 
just because I was bored. This was months ago. And I was like, all right, I'm going to see what it looks like. I've never been on one of these. And I did have a virtual date with a guy within like the first week I was on it. And as soon as we were done, I knew right away, yeah, I'm not ready for this. This is not, nope. (laughs) And I right away messaged him just because I didn't want to do the ghosting thing and said, it was very nice meeting you, but I know I'm not ready for something like this. Good luck to you, blah, blah, blah. And I deleted it right away. And so I'm kind of glad I did it just so it did reiterate for myself. Yeah, you're right, Steph. This is not where you want to be. And it was really sad to see men in their late 40s, early 50s still taking pictures in the bathroom. I know. I know. It's awful. I was shocked. (laughs) I was completely shocked. I know. I know. I manage some dating apps for clients and I'm always on there. You know, they're so distressed over it and they're calling me like, I hate this, April. I hate this. And I'm literally like on their Bumble account or in their Match account and I'm giggling because I can't believe half the stuff people post for photos. And it's usually guys, they all have baseball caps on and they're always in the bathroom. They're always shirtless. Oh my God. Or in their car. Or in their car. They're in their car? Yeah. Yeah. They'll take selfies in the cars. But you know, we're talking about something really funny right now. But when you're not ready and you still have this, I don't want my ex, but I like the comfort of the ex. And at least there was rhythm there. And then you go out and you meet some idiot or you're on an app. The reason why people get dating fatigue, it's not because dating is bad or apps are bad. It's because they're launching into them too soon and at the wrong time. And then you have that compare contrast thing going on where you're going on a date and you're like, I don't feel comfortable with this person. I don't feel like we like the same TV shows. But the dating thing is the unknown. It's supposed to be the challenge of, oh, I'm learning about somebody new and we have different opinions and we have different tastes and we have different things. Dating isn't about finding your likeness and it isn't about repeating the past. And not to throw you too much, but you have more than just the 15 years to recover and uncover. You told us that you weren't voicing you long before you met him. So now we have about 40 plus years of some work and unpacking. You don't have to be a different person, a better person. You're amazing. Yeah. But you do need to kind of just start stripping back those layers and When we strip off those layers, it's really uncomfortable. Growing pains are tough. And that's when we're supposed to be isolated. We're supposed to be in a little cocoon place of a one-bedroom apartment. We're not supposed to all of a sudden feel that we've got 20 friends who know where we're coming from because sometimes those voices can also impact us. Like, I even want to be careful that I'm not telling you to do too much because I don't even want my voice in your head. You know, I just want to give you the permission to invest in this discomfort because it's where the good stuff is, right? It's the gold. And that's why dating, it throws people, right? It's been a year, but you got to lose the shame over the fact that it's been a year. Anna said 15 years is a long time to spend with one person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a long time to do anything. If you had a job for 15 years and suddenly you didn't have that job anymore, it's like, wait a minute, like, what do I do with myself now? But everybody wants to run past that and take an Advil or get on a dating app or have sex with somebody. And it's the wrong thing to do. You know, emotion is emotion. Whether you're crying or happy or sad or frustrated, they're all good. Like, we don't want to put any judgment on anything we're feeling. And like Anna said, I love this place that you're in. And one thing I can tell you is when you don't know what to do, do nothing, literally. Because when we have the impetus to get up and go outside for a run or go for a walk or go meet up with friends, that has to be organic, not because we're forcing ourselves. Mm. Does this feel good to hear, Stephanie? 
It does. Yeah. I almost just started tearing up again. Just again, having her validate that, yeah, if I just want to sit home all weekend and cry, that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. And if you want to shed some friends, that's good too. This is yours now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yours. And that is awesome. And it needs to be. And I've heard you say, Anna, like, oh, April, I should go out with more of my friends. I should reach out to people more. I should, I should. And here's something I think when I hear that from both of you, which is why? I mean, we're all grownups, right? We're grown women. Why do we feel like we have to do what the masses are doing? And, you know, as we get older, we have fewer friends. We have our marriages and our responsibilities and children and our careers. And there's not a lot of room for a lot of people. And so you will find those people when you really get in touch with who you are, what you want, what you don't want, what your own romantic value is, why you're confident, like all of those things. And then you start putting out a casting call for a friend or two who's in alignment and maybe a romantic partner. But the truth is, is that if you spend enough time alone and you allow yourself to be solitary and honor that, because that's probably part of our personalities, right? Anna, you might have been like that since you were younger. Oh, yes. Born. So if we're born that way, why are we fighting it? My mother is 90 years old, you guys. And I said yesterday, Mom, it might be time for you and Dad to go to assisted living. She goes, I don't want to sit there with a bunch of old women and talk and play cards. I just want to be in my own home. I want to be with your dad, and I just want to be in my own thoughts. Now, my mom's always been like that. She's never going to change. But if I forced her hand and said, no, you need to get together with the neighbors and you need to like do this, it would hurt her. We need to start embracing and accepting and rejoicing who we were always meant to be instead of judging ourselves. And when you honor that part of yourself, you actually find the friends who allow you to be in solitary, who don't, you know, ridicule you if you don't call and make you feel crappy about yourself. And then you find the friends that you actually don't feel taxed with because not only do they honor your solitary and your quiet time, but they are so in alignment with you that even when you're with them, you don't feel any kind of oppression because they're of your level. And so it doesn't feel like it's pulling you from your thoughts and process. But if we don't know what those items are, we can attract friends and family members and lovers who just are white noise. And that's why we want to go, okay, I just want to be alone. I want to shut the door and lock everybody out. And it's because we've cast the wrong people in our lives. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I'm on a rant. Sorry. It's been a while. (laughs) I love it. It feels so good to hear you say this. I don't know if it's also a gender issue, too. If we've been socialized to, I don't know, absorb the guilt, you know, we have to write the thank you notes. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you something, April, that may or may not apply to Stephanie. But when you get a client, let's say they got a divorce a year ago or whatever, they want to start dating. They're overly particular. They're like, I didn't like when she said that or whatever the thing is. You must find that all the time. And is that a symptom of jumping into the waters too soon? Welcome to my world is all I want to say. (gasps) Welcome to why I have gray hair coming out of the roots of me. Yes, of course. That's why I have wrinkles on my face from 20 years of doing this. I can't tell you how many times a day I say slow and steady wins the race. I have turned away potential clients who are willing to write me a big check 
when I needed it most, by the way, because they weren't ready. And I'm like, what are you doing? And by the way, summertime is a really interesting time. Summertime and holidays. So here's what happens at the beginning of summer, right around like May, June, and July, because everybody's thinking vacation. Everybody starts to call me and it's like, I need to talk to you yesterday, April. I got to get on the phone with you now. Let's do this. And it's usually because they're thinking of like, I want to go to a barbecue with somebody again. And I want to go to Puerto Vallarta and I want to do this. And so they're trying to almost vacation plan and they're putting their energy and their resources into the wrong bucket, right? So just since I saw you last, actually just in the last 30 days, three men have come to me. One lost his wife within the last several months and two just recently got separated and they were referred and they called me so quickly and they said, you know, all I really need are dates. I actually don't know if I need your advice and your coaching. I just need your dates. And yet the hours and hours of meetings and phone calls we've been having, I had to say to them, you know what we've been doing this whole time is I have been coaching you. I have been advising you. So your problem is not dates because you're going to screw those dates up. And because they're being so particular and picky, pickiness and being overly particular is a direct sign of a lack of readiness. People think, well, if I get closer to wanting the one, then I need to be more picky. No, being selective is just honoring values and goals and things like that. But people who are really relationship ready, the little tiny things don't bug them as much, Anna. Yeah. They kind of just go, you know what? She did this or he did that, but it's not a big deal. It's when I get that post-mortem feedback after dates that I go, oh my gosh, like this person is ripping that guy apart or ripping that woman apart. They're just not ready. They're not able to have generosity of spirit. Yes, exactly. You know you're ready when you have generosity of spirit and your feedback starts with positivity and might end with, but I don't think we're right for each other because of ABC. But if you begin, like if a friend sets you up and you call me like, thank you so much for that fix up. He or she was awesome. And here's why. And I saw all these cool things. The more there are on the positive list, the better, because that tells me that person's ready. And then the negative list, by the way, is actually smaller. And that's confusing for people. But one guy, I said, you're going to need to wait because I feel like you'd be using up my matches because you're not ready. You're looking for these women to be that salve for your pain. And that's kind of selfish. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't know what he wants yet. He doesn't know. And so all I can think about is like, God, that's going to be really challenging for people because he's a wonderful guy. But every day he gets away from that separation is a better day for us, like for our success together. And I just wish people would wait longer. And there is no time frame for healing. And last year, time melted. Time yeah. melted last year. The last yeah. two years, I would even say. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have a business of helping people find love. And yet I'm the first person to say, are you sure you're ready? Are you sure you want to dive into this? And by the way, I want to put a little caveat on that. This doesn't mean you can't go out and connect. Connecting is relating and relating is connecting. This word dating gets kind of weirded out a little bit, okay? You don't want to be completely alone, right? Go out, have coffee with somebody, have a lunch with somebody. If it organically comes up for you, where you've looked at somebody, whether you've looked at their profile or you've chatted with them on the phone or you met them at the grocery store, you're like, that was interesting. Don't think of them as a romantic partner. Think about it as, that's an interesting person to connect with. Don't attach any value or any expectation or outcome on it. And just think, you know what? They'd be fun to go out with. Because then you're getting data, you're getting information, and then you go home at night, take your makeup off, and you're like, you know what? I learned a little bit more about myself. I was actually speaking up with this person 
I was actually fully expressed at dinner tonight or during that coffee or when I was standing at the avocado section at the grocery store. And so I know that that's the kind of person that is curious, that is open-minded, that is a good listener. And so you go home and you write that stuff down so that you create a new list instead of trying to compare everything to the old list that will no longer serve you because you're no longer that person. I'm really excited for you. I want to be, but it's... It's okay. You don't have to be. Yeah. Just know that I am for you. <laughs> <laughs> like casually meeting people. That's kind of why I finally was like, I need to start volunteering. I want to start doing it to just meet new people, not even to, you know, date or find my soulmate or whatever, just to kind of give me more connection with people. And that's the only time that I do feel like it is important to push myself because I know that that is healthy at the end of the day, just to have that connection. But I do appreciate what you were saying about when it comes push to shove of feeling this pressure that we're putting on ourselves to get out there or do things that we're kind of then forcing ourselves to do. I feel so much better about saying no and allowing myself to just, no, you know what? I'm just going to stay in. It's fine. Yep. I don't have to be on the go all the time. No. And if you do what I'm asking you to do, which is building your foundation, you won't have to force yourself to go out. You'll get like a boost from being out and going to your local coffee shop and talking to somebody and hanging out. Like it won't be like, oh God, I got to get out of the house today. And I've been in the house all weekend. It will inspire you once you find your voice. But if you don't do the work first, you'll retreat right back to the house anyway. So just do some stuff before you do that so that that way no one can take you down when you really, really get that kind of rhythm back into your life again. And this is your opportunity to embrace the new. Yeah. Why I get excited for you is because like April was suggesting, I want you to nurture the things that make you happy, that bring you joy. Yeah. And how do we explore that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I need to focus a little more on those things. Just on a small scale, it is liberating to have that feeling of I'm not being checked in on. I don't have anywhere to be. I can do what I want when I want, which I haven't had that in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Nice meeting you both. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Wonderful to meet you, Stephanie. You too. All the best to you. Thank you both so much. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 
Jen, you are here with the fabulous April. Hi, Jen. I'm so (laughs) grateful to have her with me today. (laughs) I'm here. (laughs) But Jen, will you tell us what's going on? Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of a wild story. So I was with my ex-fiance for six years. We lived together for about five of them. We got engaged during COVID last year, and it was kind of a bit of a secret engagement. We told our close friends and family, our parents, obviously. And during that time, we booked all of our wedding venues, our photographer, everything. And ultimately, we love to travel. So he wanted to propose in a travel space. So we went to British Columbia, where he proposed. And then on the flight home, he was acting very strange. I wasn't sure what was happening. I kept asking and I joked around and said, do you still want to marry me? And then on the car ride home, he disclosed that he had cheated on me when we were together about three and a half years ago. And he had cheated a number of times. Oh, the gut punch. Yeah. And it was literally the day after we announced our engagement to all of our friends on the ride home from the airport. At that point... There is obviously like a very big fight. And then the next day we talked it out. We said we were going to figure it out. The next day he came out of the bedroom and said that he can't feel anything and that he's having a mental breakdown. And then I found out shortly afterwards that his family has a history of bipolar disorder with his grandmother being hospitalized for it and his sister being recently diagnosed. He's in a profession where he can't have any mental illness present. He can't be diagnosed with anything formally. And he can't take any medication because they'll pull his license. So we had about 10 months of him being really, really good. And then him kind of spiraling and then having another mental breakdown. We saw a therapist together as a couple, but we had to leave it because the therapist actually was inappropriate towards me, which is another story. Um, oh, my God. So he can't be on medication. And then about three months ago, he had a breakdown because our dog had an accident. And he said, if I don't love our dog, how can I love my children? And then he just started sobbing. And then we finally broke up. And about two weeks later, we had called off the wedding, got rid of our condo that we lived in together. I had to move back together with my mom. (laughs) And all the while, him still telling me that he loves me. It has nothing to do with our relationship. He's just really damaged. I made a really bad decision and immediately started dating again (laughs) and ended up dating someone who's actually in the exact same profession with him unknowingly and is actually at the same company as him without knowing them. And this guy on the other side is really stable, wants to have children, wants to get married, has made some comments about like me moving in, but I just can't stop comparing him to my ex who was the love of my life and who we had this phenomenal, great relationship up until he had his mental breakdown. So I guess my question is, how do I move on? Well, my early indication feels like you've really romanticized the relationship a bit. April, you would know more about this whole idea, but my feeling is when somebody is cheating on you, the partner can subconsciously feel it. When you talk about this is the love of your life and all the wonderful qualities that he had, 
you're grieving a person. That's how I think you're viewing it as like the before and the after. Yeah. And I think it's more complicated than that. And I think part of your process that will be helpful to you is that recognition. I used to think that my first boyfriend, after he broke my heart, I was like, oh, he's so handsome. He's like the most perfect guy. And I like read through my diaries. And I remember I had written like, I hate his long artistic fingers. (laughs) (laughs) I hate the way he laughs. He was a mean guy. I normally am not like that. But (laughs) (laughs) it was helpful to me to remember the nuance That's just sort of early food for thought as we get into this. Jen, how long have you been dating this new guy? Uh, Three months. Okay. When he says things to you like, I want to move in, and he's talking about the future and future plans with you, how does that feel for you? It feels good in the sense of like, oh, there's someone out there that wants to do those things with me. But it's also, it's not my ex. Because we did have a great relationship. I had zero idea that he was cheating at all. And everyone in our life was shocked as well. He was very anti-cheating. The three years ago thing is a little bit of a red flag to me. Yeah. Because I've been cheated on. Yeah. So I take a cynical view to this. And to me, when I've been told that it was only one time and it was a long time ago, like those kinds of things. It's like when a guy says, oh, Jessica tried to kiss me last night. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you guys fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and you're doing a preemptive, man. <laughs> I do believe it just in the sense that he travels for his work and all of that travel kind of ended because of COVID. So there wouldn't have been opportunity. Right. I'm sure he was incredibly handsome. I'm sure he's incredibly charming. I bet he is like the perfect guy. And I do also think if you guys were to get married, he would continue to cheat. Yeah. I really do. And that is a really hard thing to come to terms with. And I kind of say this stuff so you can grieve properly. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what I want to know, Jen. Why isn't the cheating the absolute deal breaker of all the things that you loved about him? How come that doesn't trump all? I think knowing that he was never formally diagnosed with bipolar, but the mental health professionals that we saw loosely did that. And just the absolute hatred he had for himself and how disgusted he was with what he did, how much he punished himself for it kind of made me realize, you know, people do make mistakes. He said he was extremely drunk. I never thought I'd be one of those people that would be like, oh, he cheated. That's fine. It wasn't that easy, but it was something that I was like, okay, we can work through that. That's fine as long as you are extremely upset about it and apologetic and never want it to happen again. Was it three times with three different people? Was it a weekend? What was it? Yeah. So one of them was he kissed someone while we were in the early dating. I guess not really officially dating. So I guess it's not 100% a cheating circumstance. One time he slept with someone And then another time he had kissed someone at a party again. So all three separate occasions he was drunk? Yeah. Okay. Is the why as important as the what? It was for me at the time. And just, I guess, witnessing him have manic episodes and just mental breakdowns every few months kind of made me put that stuff to the side. Because it immediately was, he told me he cheated the day after we got engaged. And then he had a mental breakdown where we had to have him kind of on suicide watch for a period of time. 
So I really had to jump from being devastated to caretaker. Yeah, to caretaker. And it was kind of a case of, I don't know if I fully had time to process what had happened. And again, I'm having someone say like, I hate myself. I can do anything to take it back. I'm broken and all of these things. And then telling me down the road that he just doesn't know if he can get married because he's just broken. So it was a lot to process. And, you know, I was just like, oh, you know, it was years ago. People change. I don't know. Yeah, I don't blame you. You had your future planned. Yeah. If you didn't know about the mental disorder, the bipolar, and he didn't know, and you didn't know about the cheating, it sounds like you didn't really know him, like the real him. You know, we can love someone Mm -hmm. and we can miss someone and understand why they do things. And we can still put ourselves first at the exact same time. Yeah. And looking back now, I think I realized that there were signs of mental illness for a while. But yeah, like I thought I knew him 100%. Like we were best friends. He told me, apparently didn't tell me everything, but we would go on road trips and talk for eight hours and stuff. I'm so sorry. This is really heartbreaking and devastating. And you said the word process, and yet you gave yourself less than a week. You know, this is a lot. This is a big relationship. You were planning a wedding. You found out your partner has bipolar. He was on suicide watch. And just aside from him, because we're focused on you right now and we feel for him and we have a big heart for what he's going through right now. Yeah. But you didn't honor the process. You went out on a date a week later. Yeah. And because you want a relationship, you're in another relationship. I see why that kind of instant gratification style helped you because it gave you that validation, right? Yeah. There is somebody who can commit, who wants children, who wants me. Mm -hmm. I would have done the same thing. Really? Oh, totally. Probably sooner. (laughs) (laughs) It was never meant to be a relationship. It was just like, I'm going to go out. Yeah. We just talked about this with someone else, Jen, which is why we distract so quickly, why we want to run from process and pain. And we distract and we tend to distract with other people. Mm -hmm. And then we find ourselves discontent within the distraction of a relationship like, be careful what you wish for, right? You wished for somebody who would give you all these things. And now you have somebody in your life that you're comparing to your ex. Mm -hmm. And when we're playing the compare game, it means we're not ready. Yeah. And I'm just having trouble because this guy, he's great. He's super sweet. He's got his shit together and he's offering all these wonderful things. And I don't want to just throw that away because... I'm in my head about stuff. So part of me is just kind of like, Jen, get your shit together. Is it fair to him? Is it fair to him to stay dating him? He's fully aware of what's going on, by the way. Like, there's no wool over anyone's eyes on this one. He's like aware of the timeline. He's aware of how I feel, all of these things. Oh, be careful. Be careful. And this is for everybody. (laughs) Be careful when you meet somebody when you're standing in the ashes of your life. Because there is also a direct correlation to his readiness by who he chooses. So a lot of people are quick to say to the person in the ashes of their life, I want babies with you. I want you to move in. I want this. I want that. I want this. And it sometimes is because you're a little out of reach. You're a little unattainable. And so they pour on the sauce. They pour on the desire. They pour on the ask. Mm. Once they get you in, it can be over like that. Be very, very careful because if I were a guy and I met a woman or if I was a woman out there dating and I met a guy who said, I just found out my six-year relationship 
we were getting engaged. We were planning our wedding. I found out she's bipolar. I found out she cheated on me. And it was a week later. Do you know what I would have said as somebody who's really kind of healthy mentally? I'm so sorry. Good luck to you. Take some time off. I'll see you soon. I'll be your friend, but I won't date you. Yeah. Because it's almost like taking advantage of somebody at their weak point. And that can be sometimes attractive to a potential partner who isn't as ready as you think they are. It's a lot for somebody to be pouring on all that stuff in 90 days. Yeah. Be very, very careful here. Thank you. I know that your circumstances have changed. And it may also be tempting to be really attracted to the lifestyle that you thought you were going to have for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but you're beautiful. You have like the world ahead of you. You've got all the time. So be hesitant, I think, of indulging too much in that wanting the safety, wanting the future planned out by what a partner could potentially provide. Mm -hmm. When you were asking us earlier, how do I move on? What do you mean by that? I just know in my previous relationships, I was in love with my first love and he devastated me. He was a drummer, which is another one to add to that list. Never date. Totally. Musician is number two. Oh, horrible. I was an idiot. But I was obsessed with him. I carried his drum places. I was just a fool in love. And I spent so many years just comparing him to everyone I dated and that obsession feeling that I had of just how much I loved him and loved being in a relationship and our friends and all that stuff. And with my current ex, we wrapped our lives together. All of his friends became my friends, vice versa. His parents texted me instead of him. Like we were just such a happy, wonderful family. And we traveled and we talked for hours and it just felt like someone died. So I feel almost like a widow or something. So it's that matter of like, how do I ever stop mourning what's happened and the loss of everything that I lost so suddenly? What you're mourning is you're mourning the death of the hope. And when we have death of hope, the world crumbles. You have death of hope. You have the mourning of the loss of plans and expectations and dreams. Yeah, It's not just the person. It's everything that's in the tapestry that goes with that. And I think the only way is to stop distracting through this other relationship Yeah, and really honor that because you can't go from that high intensity of care and then try to do that. It's like you're juggling right now and it's so hard and it's not fair to you. It's not fair to this new guy. In your unwillingness to let him go, it's more selfish. Mm -hmm. It's you saying, yeah, 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 all this is going on. I'm still in love. You are still active duty love right now. And you're trying to make love happen with somebody else. And even the way you talk about this new guy, you talk about him like he's like a stand-in for an actor. Like, there's this guy, and he wants everything that I want, and he's nice to me, and da-da-da-da. But there's literally, like, I'm looking at you, and there's no, like, oh, this guy's, I love him, and he's amazing. And your brain is going, I should like him because he does the same thing that my ex does. You're literally trying to replace him. Yeah. But you're not in love with this new guy. He's just providing the things you wanted from your ex. Yeah. And your willingness to let him go and say, I'm not ready, is part of your healing. Because I think it's hurting you more because you're asking yourself to be intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually ready for this new person when you're not. And it's driving pain. It's making you upset. Like, stop carrying everybody's drums. Yeah, that's really great. Yep. It's pushing against you. And, you know, it's like, but if I lose this guy, then I'm losing the guy that really likes me. Hey, you know what? That's life. 
when we negotiate in business, we don't take the first deal, right? Sometimes in life, you have to walk away from the negotiation table, even when something is coming at you that seems good. And it seems like a good offer, but you're talking from your head and not from your body. Your body is not ready to receive this new person fully. And so therefore, you're going to be building something on a shaky ground. You've got to get back to your faith of, I know that I can have what I had with my ex and also have someone who is ready for marriage, ready for children, wants to commit, isn't struggling with a mental disorder. God love him, but he's not because it's almost impossible to build a family with somebody who's struggling in this way. Okay. He's got work to do. Yeah. Not just medication, but he has big time work to do. And then you're talking about involving children into your life. And then you're really carrying everybody's drum set. So why not just have the faith of letting this new person go? Because you're forcing yourself to be ready. And I think if you were to, when you say, how do I move on? We never move on. We move forward. Mm -hmm. You take what you had and you go, okay, I loved this. I loved our friendship. I loved our community. I loved our friends. I loved the family unit. I loved our vacations. I love, love, love. So then you go, okay, I'm not going to compare new guy to old guy. I'm going to continue with the things I love. Okay, I love connection. I love community. I love family. I love communication. Those are the things I'm going to carry forward with me in my next relationship. But I know that I will lose myself if I'm in a relationship with somebody that can't speak their truth. Okay? So to me, when somebody does something really tragic like cheating, I don't care why they did it. They did it. The wound is the wound understand why, oh, they were drunk. Oh, they're having this breakdown or whatever. But I'm not going to throw myself under the bus because somebody else is having something going on in their life, right? Otherwise, as women, we end up in constant cycles of abuse because somebody says, I was drunk. I was upset. I lost my job. And the list goes on and on. And this is why women always get the short end of the stick in those kind of relationships. We can't do that. We just can't. You can have a heart for him. You can have a love for him. He can be your friend again. He can be part of your family. But right now, there's like some healing, some alone time for you and some alone time for him. But you don't have to X him out of your life. Anna, we've talked about this, right? Like when you have a crazy good bond with somebody and the relationship is over, so many people shoot themselves in the foot by going, okay, goodbye. And instead, it's like, wait a minute, can you keep this person in your life for now at least so that you don't have to suffer a death? I was never good at that. <laughs> oh, not anybody? Not one no. person that you really felt like you wanted to stay close to? Isn't that really sad? I talk to a lot of guests that have these great relationships with their exes, that they're friends, that things ended civilly. I envy that idea. I just haven't had that experience. And I think that these phone calls between Jen and her ex are really painful. I wish he could lean on someone else. Of course, both should, because he's processing with you and he's activating that love gene and the maternal gene and your guilt gene and everything else. And then you're helpless. You're like, how can I help this person? And he's grieving. And this is the love of my life. And yeah, you're 100% correct, Anna. He needs another avenue. I'm not saying be friends right now. Yeah. I'm saying when you think that the person you've been best friends with, living mates with, planning a wedding with, thinking about family with, then it's over, over. And both people love each other still. I'm not saying go have pizza tomorrow and get on the phone every night. But in your brain, you have to say, this person isn't dead. They're living on such and such a street in such and such a city in the state of, <laughs> they're still here. So stop thinking that you're mourning a death. 
So you want to make sure that you don't go into this trauma experience even more so than you already are. Mm -hmm. I like that. Just simply having the outlook of the open possibility. Yeah. And if he gets healthy and gets back on his feet, who knows, maybe in 12 months time or 18 months time or something, you guys journey back to each other. Everything is possible in this lifetime. There is nothing that's cast in stone. It's just a brain shift as opposed to let's be friends yesterday. And Jen, I think it's really, really strong of you being in love with somebody and still having the recognition that you can't help him with this. He has to be very proactive in this. And the fact that you had the strength to recognize that. And even though it meant moving back in with your mom or the disillusion of your future that you envisioned, Mm -hmm. that's really courageous and strong of you. It's impressive. A lot of people would have convinced themselves that they could help fix this problem. Yeah. Yeah, Jen, I think it's a really good time and an opportunity for you to start writing down like, What is my romantic value? What do I bring in a relationship? What do I need in a relationship? How am I served in relationship? How do I want to be treated? What are my boundaries? What are my deal breakers? Because once we have those, it's like all of a sudden you have a map. And so you're not trying to kind of flail out there navigating waters. You actually know, ah, okay, this is exactly what I require of somebody. And I feel like you put yourself last a lot. Mm -hmm. Does that ring true at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was this case where I kind of started to realize that I was his enabler and I was his emotional crutch. And ultimately, yeah, I had to walk away knowing that he has to hit rock bottom or he has to hit a wall in order to get the help he needs. Yeah. I know this is a big event in your life. You talk about you lost the love of your life. I think what happened is you also lost your purpose. Yeah. He was your purpose. And that doesn't actually make for a solid, good relationship because what happens is when that person goes away or there's a divorce or there's a death, you lose your life. You lose everything. Yeah. And you should be able to stand on your own two feet, whether this person is in your life or not. The mourning is not necessarily the, I love this person so much because then we're lacking health. Mm -hmm. You have to find your purpose within yourself, not your purpose with how you can enable and help and support everybody else around you. Where was I reading somewhere? Oh, you know, it was Glennon Doyle's book, which I was reading it while I was on vacation. And there was a line about women need to be more selfish, not selfless. Yes. We have enough selfless women in this world. Yeah. And we've given this bad connotation to selfish as if it's this, you're so selfish, but we're born into this world alone and you go out of this world alone. So why is it that it's such a shame for us to put ourselves first and to take care of ourselves? They say it when we get on a plane. The boys do it just fine. The boys do it. But (laughs) girls are always about, how can I serve you? How can I carry for you? How can I carry the weight? How can I forgive you? It's like inherent in the female trait. And it's how we're trained. Like weather a lot. Put it on your shoulders. It's okay. You know, he's having a bad day. No, 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 (laughs) no. That doesn't make us hard. That doesn't make us not loving. It just makes us really good and confident with who we are. And that's when we attract our best partners. That's really good advice. I know the circumstances are hard, but in six months, in two months, in two weeks, I'm hoping for you that the pain and the rawness will start to become slightly more numb. You'll build up those layers that only time can do where you're not chewing on it as much. I hope that just like April said, this is such an awesome opportunity for you to not leap back into anything just yet, you know? Do you have 
any big fear about going to this new guy in your life and creating a little pause? Is there any concern or worry there for you? And will you? Um, we're not in a relationship relationship right now. I'm seeing other people. I'm just trying to do the opposite of what I normally did, which is like walk down into like a monogamous, let's, you know, plan a future thing. So I have told him I want some space in terms of that. And I've got a pretty busy life of our great friends, family, working full-time plus school and everything. So I am trying to take care of me. So yeah, I have told him like, whoa, I'm not going to move in with you in like four months. And like, I don't want to meet your mom yet. And I don't want to like do any of those things. Let's just keep it casual for now. It's hard because like, I think if I wasn't in this weird headspace right now, I'd be like, all right, let's go to Vegas. Let's get it done. Like you're an amazing, no, no, not right now, but like you're an amazing (laughs) person. He's very, very thoughtful and sweet. And yeah, that fear of like letting someone slip away because I'm not okay right now. Well, but that's part of it. It's like, it's not about let him slip away because I'm not ready. So therefore you're going to blame yourself. That is part of it, which is I need to be really neutral before I attract the right partner. And I'm not neutral right now. And the more dates you go on, the more you're going to compare to your ex and the more unhappy you're going to be. And like, if I were you, I would just pause on dating altogether for a little while, a couple months. I don't know because healing is individualized, but really just pausing for a minute to kind of settle with these feelings because it's just every date you're going to go on, you're going to be like, well, it's not so-and-so. Yeah, nope, didn't make me laugh like he does. Nope, we don't have that same comfort level. Nope, mm-mm, mm-mm. And then you're going to get really drained. And the people you'll attract won't necessarily be the same people you would attract when you are actually fully, fully present and ready. Yeah. And I think part of it is like, I'm going to be 36. And I feel that like clock a ticking oh, in the background. Man. I really wish that we could resist this somehow, like that checking things off the list mentality. We can when we reject the, oh my gosh, anybody, friends or commercials or content or anything that pushes this idea and concept that you're in a window of time and you got to do it because there's nothing worse than marrying somebody because you're trying to have babies and you come to somebody like me in 10, 15 years in your 50s, divorced, couple of kids. And you're saying, oh my gosh, how do I start all over again? Like, it's so much better to make better decisions later than it is to make hasty decisions now. And so many women are having children later in life. Just like loneliness can't be the driver to date, your time and your clock can't be the driver to find love or to choose someone. That's why we have a huge divorce rate. Because everybody fell in love with love, fell in love with chemistry, fell in love with passion and thought they wanted the same things. Well, we both wanted kids and it was time. Time can be a killer. We have to just have way more faith. I'm not talking about church faith. I'm talking about just this knowing that it's going to be okay. This knowing that you can always talk to this person again. This knowing that if children are meant to be for you, that it will happen. I wish I could put you on like the hamster wheel of like, I'm single. I like to travel. I'm hot. I'm smart. This is awesome. That would be nice. I'm excited for you to figure out who you are and get to like nurture your friendship with yourself in a way that you haven't had time to do. Thank you. I really, really appreciate that. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you, April. Oh, you're so welcome. I hope we were helpful today. You were. Thank you, guys. Have a great one. Okay, be well.
April, you gave such incredible advice and food for thought. I can't thank you enough. It's incredibly helpful for me to hear, you know, and how applicable it is to my own experiences. Thank you. I think, you know, it's hard for us to talk to someone who is struggling and she's so much pain. And when you get to a point of wanting to give somebody advice, it's really hard because everybody has to find their own way. But to me, if my boundary has been crossed, I tend to not care why someone crossed it. I'll understand intellectually, but I'm not going to go back to that person simply because I have an understanding of why they lied, why they cheated, why they did that. I think you're right. We get hung up on the details. We want to know the where and the who, and we get really wound up in creating a painful visual for ourselves that really isn't helpful or applicable. Yeah. And it also prevents you from making the decision. It keeps you stuck in no man's land Mm -hmm. because you're stuck in the, I have been violated. I have been lied to. I've been cheated on. But I have the guilt of I should be understanding and compassion because understanding and compassion are supposed to be our best traits. So you're in this constant volley in this dance of, well, wait a minute, but if I move on, then I don't care. But if I don't say anything, then I don't have any boundaries and I don't have any self-confidence or self-esteem. And that's why we have to just look at the what, not the why, right? The what is you cheated on me three different times. The why is you were drunk. The why is you're having a mental breakdown. So that's going to keep me stuck to you. And then I'm never going to have my needs met. Yeah. I can have compassion and forgive you and still move on. Period. That's where I draw the line. Thank you so much. And let's please catch up soon. I would love to. Bye, April. Bye. 